you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Oh, they did well, didn't they? Uh, and how, how's that for a summary of Christmas? That Jesus loves us no matter what. That is such, such good news. And this morning, as we look at Christmas, they're going to be looking at Christmas through Colossians. We're going to be doing the same through this final installment of Colossians. I'm going to pray for us because that is true. And I don't know what it was like for you coming this morning, whether that was difficult or whether it was you are fully into the Christmas mode. But Jesus loves you no matter what. So I'm going to pray and from the mouths of babes, we're going to pray that. Then we're going to look at God's word together. Father, we come this morning and we thank you that you love us in the Lord Jesus. You love the world so much that you sent your son. And Lord, as we pause this moment, as we pause to look at your word, as we pause to consider the truth that we read in it, Father, we pray that you would move in our midst, that you'd move in my words, that you'd stir up our hearts. And you do this all for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, um, I want to begin this morning by talking about something which many of us will not feel in a few days' time, and that is emptiness, right? Physical emptiness is something that is, is a... It, 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 I was going to... No, this is embarrassing. Most of us have been on a diet at one stage. We know what that emptiness is like. I've got teenage boys... They are always empty. But if you've ever really been on a difficult diet, you know that emptiness is, is something that can be all-consuming. Um, many of you will know that I uh, served before this um, in, in the army for a, a long time. And there was one particular exercise we did, which was a starvation exercise. And oh boy, emptiness is something that, that it's all-consuming. It, 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 it grabs you. But there's a different kind of emptiness to this physical emptiness I'm talking about. Um, emptiness in general is not a good thing. Is If you've got an empty wallet, an empty table, whatever it is, yeah, an empty Christmas stocking, it's not a good thing. But there's also, a, beyond that sort of physical emptiness, there's a, there's a deeper em- emptiness. It can be a spiritual emptiness, a, a feeling that, that there's something more, a feeling that, that there's a gap inside. And, and in our culture today, we're really good at camouflaging emptiness. Um, in fact, any vacuum or emptiness is filled by what entertainment, by phones, by interactions, by social media, but all of the different things. We, we are so good at pouring things in. But that spiritual emptiness, that, that kind of sense of meaningless can still be there. And even after all the things are poured in, there can come a point when that emptiness, we look deep inside maybe in a moment of stillness and we're a bit frightened that as we look inside, we might actually discover that there's nothing there. There's an emptiness. Now, contrast that with fullness. Um, I mentioned that same exercise in the army of that starvation exercise. There was one moment in that exercise where I understood about fullness. 
because I think it was about day five or day six, and we, we came in and um, there was a scenario where we were helping uh, locals. Uh, they were fighting a resistance movement, and uh, we came in and some locals were starving, freezing cold, and we came in and, and as we came in, we could smell it, and this, this group of, they were actors, but they were pretending to be locals, and they had this iron pot on the fire, and it was simmering, and you could smell it. And they said, Aussies, Aussies, welcome, our noble friends, come to, to help us be free. Come and look, we've prepared this feast. And, and we sort of came forward and we looked in the pot. And it was, I don't want to gross anyone out, but it was, it was entrails of all different kind of animals, just bubbling. If you're a vegetarian, I'm so sorry. But they, they were just <laughs> bubbling in this pot. Stomachs and what you can just imagine it, brains and all bubbling, and and they said, "Come, Aussie, come! We've prepared this feast. You know, don't don't disappoint us. You know, this was going to be a national moment if we." And and uh, one of the guys I was with, he, he started dry retching. And he was like, he was so hungry, and but I was like, I'm so empty, and I closed my eyes and I held out my my plate. And I took two huge servings of this stuff and I just ate it and I just closed my eyes and ate it. And you know what? It tasted wonderful. It tasted like chicken. No, it didn't taste like chicken, but it was wonderful. I felt this um, glowing sense of warmth um, permeating through my body. There was a, a, this sense of well-being, that the world is good. And that these energy, like it's almost a tingling feeling. If you haven't eaten for six or seven days and you suddenly eat, your, your body it doesn't know how to respond, but, but that warmth stayed with me for the next couple of, or at least the next couple of hours, a warmth of fullness. And it's true about different kinds of fullness too. Fullness is a good thing, isn't it? A, a full wallet is a good thing. Um, a full dinner plate is a good thing. Fullness is, is something that, that we as humans enjoy. We, we long for it. And at Christmas, every year, I think it's true that we long for the fullness. We long for fullness to come and to meet our emptiness. So this morning, as we finish this series on Colossians, I've got four points. They're not long. But the first one is the fullness of God. I want to see this morning the fullness of God. This is such good news. And so we find it in verse 19. For in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Um, In the Old Testament, we learned that God had dwelled with his people in the past. If you read through the Old Testament book of Exodus, they built a a tent, a tabernacle, and and that was the place where God dwelt. Later on, King Solomon built a temple in Jerusalem, and that was the place where, where God dwelt. Now, of course, God fills the whole earth, but that was the place where his presence was focused. Now, the writer to Colossians says, in Jesus, not in a place, but in a person, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. We call this the incarnation, God becoming human, the the fullness of God dwelling within a human person. Listen to how Luke talks about it. Luke chapter 1, verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, 
For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He'll be a great, he'll be great and be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then in Galatians 4, and when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, The Bible makes the claim that the fullness of God, and if you think about the fullness of God, um, a few weeks ago I had the opportunity to take a group here from church to Wilson's Promontory, some of the young adults, and we were walking on the beaches and we were talking about God's incredible creation. And uh, I had read recently, and and I, I read it on Google, so it's obviously true, that there are more stars in the universe. There are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the beach. Not one beach, every beach on the face of the planet. That's how many stars there are. And, and we're trying to work out, held up a handful of sand. How many grains of sand in that handful? I don't know, millions? But that's how many stars there are in the universe. The fullness of God coming down and focusing and dwelling in a human being. That is unbelievable. It, it, is, it is literally, the incarnation is... is is in many ways greater, I think, than the miracle of creation itself. It's one of the most incredible miracles that impact so much. And well may we ask, when we think of the fullness of God, you know, the carol, what child is this? Who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. Who is this child? Who is this Jesus, the fullness of of God. But, but what does fullness mean? Well, we might think that fullness means that Jesus is a human being who's dwelled or is filled with the Holy Spirit. And yeah, that, that's, that's kind of true. But it's much more than that. It means that, that in Jesus, God is dwelling fully. Maybe an illustration might... Who, who, Who's into the Lycra and the road bikes? I know some. I can see you. I can see you. I'm into bikes, but not Lycra. But I, I do like I do like riding. But I have a hybrid bike, right? Hybrid bike is suits me. It's not as fast as a mountain bike. It's not as robust and as capable. Sorry, fast as a road bike or as um, capable off road as a mountain bike. It's kind of a bit of both. It's got suspension, but it's got thinner tires, and it's, it's, you're meant to ride it around you know, on the day-to-day kind of commuting thing. It's, it's a hybrid bike. Suits me perfectly, but it's not as good as a road bike, and it's not as good as a mountain bike. It's kind of a mix of both, right? Hybrid bike. It's good. Now, we might think that when, when Jesus, when the incarnation happens and the fullness of God comes and dwells in man, that we've got kind of like a hybrid thing. So Jesus is kind of a mix of human and God, and they're, they're all kind of together, But the Bible says, no, Jesus is both of those things, fully God and fully human, at the same time. That's the the fullness 
of God. So, and Jesus, as he grows, he'll be empty physically many times in his life. He's fully human. There's that moment where he sits on the well and he's tired because he's been walking just like us. He's fully human. Jesus is fully human, but he's also fully God. And throughout his existence, he will manifest the fullness of God in his being all the time. He's fully human. He's one of us, but he's also fully God. That's the, the fullness of God. God doesn't need anything. Jesus doesn't need anything. The fullness of God dwells in him. That's firstly, the fullness of God. Now, secondly, the emptiness of of you. The emptiness of you. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. So the fullness of God dwells in Jesus so that he might reconcile all things to him. Reconciliation is uh, it's such an important word. Uh, it's a, a word that's been around in our culture a lot for the last Years, but reconciliation is a big deal. When people are estranged from one another, uh, when they don't have a relationship, when they, they can't be close, there's a, we're relational beings and there's, a, there's an incredible emptiness that comes with that. A, a yearning when, when we're, there's someone that we're close to who we can't be close to. There's an estrangement. It's a terrible thing if you've been estranged from someone and and maybe you are right now, you, you know how terrible that is. Colossians says that Jesus came into the world to deal with that estrangement, to bring reconciliation, to bring two people that were far apart or two, two parties in a relationship that were separated to bring them together. And that was our condition. That was the emptiness of us. Uh, the Bible teaches that in the beginning we were created in, recon in relationship with God with no, no brokenness, complete intimacy, but then the Bible teaches, and it's true in our human experience, that sin, that is rebellion against God, sin is taking things that God gives us and making them more important than God, Sin comes into our world and it causes a cataclysmic rupture in our relationship with God. A cataclysmic rupture that every human being experiences. A, a rupture that means that there is a fundamental emptiness in our hearts that doesn't go away. The fullness of God comes into the world to deal with the emptiness of us. And this is a dreadful emptiness. Uh, Blaise Pascal was a French mathematician. He was also a very uh, strong Christian, a theologian. And, and Blaise Pascal said this. You have probably heard this. He says, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing. There's a God-shaped vacuum. A vacuum is an emptiness, isn't it? It's something that should be there, but it's been ripped out. It's not there. It, there's, there's a hole. And Pascal says that hole is created. It, it's, the, it's God who has come out from us in relation. The relationship's ruptured. It's left a hole, and there's an emptiness there, and we can't fill it. 
We can't. And, and, and the, the human struggle, isn't it? And year by year, day by day of our lives, uh, whether we are Christians or we're not Christians to some extent, we try to fill the hole with stuff. We try to fill it with so many things. And, and there's a, such a variety of them and they can work for a little while, can't they? They can make us, they can camouflage the hole, the new thing the new relationship, the new experience, whatever it is, it can camouflage it, but it can't fill it. The God-shaped vacuum is still there. Uh, I I think I might have used this before, but um, there's a guy called Marcus Padley, and he's a stockbroker in Sydney. His job is to make people rich through the stock market. But a couple of years ago, he wrote an article uh, around about Christmas time, actually, which I found so perceptive. He wrote it in the Sydney Telegraph. And uh, he said this, quote, we all want more money. We think it will satisfy us. But it is an absolute fact that more money does not satisfy anyone. Hang on, Marcus, that's your job. To give more. So your job doesn't satisfy everyone. He's writing this, so honest. And so then he says, well, should we give up getting, trying to get rich then? If it doesn't satisfy us, In fact, he goes on to say, very often money makes people more unhappy. So should we give up trying to get rich? This is what he says, quote, no, keep trying to be rich because the greatest satisfaction, the greatest joy comes in not having more money, but in imagining what having more money would be like. Oh, that is so perceptive. This guy's not a Christian. Hear what he's saying? Look, think about the emptiness and imagine it being filled, but when it, if it, it'll never be filled. So just that's the best thing is thinking about what it'd be like if it was filled. There you go. Live your life imagining that with the hole is actually filled and that's the sweetest thing. And some of us do that with Christmas, I think, to some degree, don't we? There are Christmas people out there and you know who you are and, and, and I'm married to one and it's just wonderful. Like a Christmas person, you know, you've got decorated it, and it's just wonderful. They make Christmas so much fun. Nothing wrong with that. But it can be possible that we start to imagine Christmas as we, in our mind's eye what Christmas is going to look like. And for some of us, it's the perfect decorations. For some of us, it's the perfect food. For some of us, and probably lots of us, it's sitting around the table with the family everybody getting on, everybody enjoying one another's company. And we just imagine that, that ideal, everything's going to be full and right, but the expectation is never quite there, is it? Even the best Christmas, it's just not quite there. It's easy, like Marcus Padley in The Money, to think, to look forward to Christmas, and, and he'd probably say, well, actually, right now, this is perfect for you because you're looking forward to Christmas. Just imagine how good it's going to be because that's as good as it'll get. <laughs> What a, what, a, what a sad but true way to look at it. But, but the Bible would say, well, actually, that's yes, that's right. Because the, the God-shaped vacuum in our heart is the symbol of a, of a ruptured relationship. And that ruptured relationship is not just another human relationship, as bad as that is. That's with the creator of everything. And that ruptured relationship is the inner emptiness which we just can't fill. So we see that the fullness of God dwelling in Jesus. We, we see the emptiness of us. Now, thirdly, God's costly solution. I love reading the New, New Testament 
and you see as Jesus in the Gospels, the account of Jesus' life, you see as Jesus grow up, grows up and he becomes a man and he begins his ministry, he walks around with a fullness which overwhelms everybody he meets. You notice that? There's a spiritual fullness in Jesus. The spiritual fullness that Nicodemus, the, the Pharisee, the religious guy, he thinks he's got it all together and he encounters Jesus and he goes, oh, who is this guy? And the fullness of Jesus interacts with Nicodemus that overwhelms him. I love, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, the, the woman as Jesus is sitting on the well and he's tired and the woman who's had five husbands and the husband she's got now is not her own. She's a woman who's rejected by community, caught up in immorality, caught up in sin and brokenness. And she encounters the fullness of Jesus and it washes over her like a, a tidal wave. And that's true of Jesus. The fullness of God dwells in Jesus. And when Jesus encounters the emptiness that you and I feel, the God-shaped hole in our hearts, he overwhelms it. He's not like, for those of you who have seen Harry Potter, he's not like a dementor, you know, sucking things that they don't have themselves out of other people, sucking the light. Jesus is exactly the opposite. He, he's, he needs nothing from anybody. He encounters people who are hungry and have holes in their hearts. And Jesus fills them with his fullness. It's beautiful. You, you read the Gospels and you read time after time, Jesus walks with his fullness and those who are empty find in him satisfaction. Jesus said, come all those who are thirsty. Drink the water that I give you. When you encounter me, you'll never be thirsty again. You'll never be empty again. In fact, my fullness is such that the water will come from outside you and overflow like a fountain to others. It's the wonder of Christmas. The fullness of God comes into the world to deal with our emptiness, and it does it by bringing reconciliation between God and between us. That's what Colossians says. Jesus comes to reconcile all things to himself, to bring them together again. That is the wonderful news of Christmas. Jesus comes to make peace. But the estrangement, the broken relationship is too deep. Even for the fullness of God, dwelling in this person, fully God and fully human, the estrangement was too deep for Jesus just to come and show the fullness of God. Uh, Simon Weisenthal uh, was famous. Did anyone know what he's famous for? Some of you maybe died quite a while ago now, but he was the famous Nazi hunter. He gave his life to hunting down Nazis. Now, probably, some, <laughs> it's probably the grandparents of some of the people playing in the World Cup for Argentina. Who knows? Sorry, forget that. But he, but he, he, came, he came, and that was his job. He was, he was a, a Nazi hunter. And the reason he did that was because by 1944, 89 of his relatives, including his mother and grandmother, had been murdered. And he writes of an occasion when, during the Second World War itself, uh, he was also imprisoned in one of the concentration camps. And he was called up into the hospital, the infirmary area where there was a dying SS officer. And he was called in to the officer and he, he describes it like this. 
the dying soldier said, I must tell you of this horrible deed. I need to tell you because you're a Jew. And three times the wise of old tried to get away and the, the, the dying soldier's grip was like a vice on his arm. And he went on to tell him about the 300 men, women and children that he had murdered in the Ukraine. In a little village. And as Simon Wiesenthal is listening, he goes on and and the SS guy said this, in the last hours of my life, you are with me. I don't know who you are. I only know that you're a Jew and that's enough. I know that what I've told you is terrible. In the long nights while I've been waiting for death, time and again, I have longed to talk about it with a Jew and beg forgiveness from him. I know that what I'm asking from you is almost too much for you, but without your answer, I cannot die in peace. Please forgive me. Simon Wiesel recounts that for several minutes, he stood in total silence. And then he turned, and without speaking a word, he walked away. That dying man knew of the sins that that crushed his heart. He knew of the estrangement that he had and he thought he would find peace by seeking forgiveness from a representative Jew of all the, the hundreds that he himself had murdered. But the estrangement was too deep. Simon Wiesenthal, how could I forgive him for what he did to all those innocent people? The estrangement is too Deep, And our estrangement from God is far deeper. The hole in our hearts is not just a symbol of our own emptiness as if it's all about us. It's a symbol of a relationship which is broken. But God just doesn't turn and walk away. Instead, God in Jesus, he turns towards us and he walks towards us. The fullness of God in Jesus comes with an astonishing reconciliation mission, overwhelming our emptiness, bringing us close, and it's costly. Good Christian fear for sinners here, the silent word is pleading. Nail's spear shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail the word made flesh. The babe, the son of Mary. So that was our, or the fullness of God, the emptiness of us the costly reconciliation mission, and finally, the practical result. Verse 21, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless, and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting 
from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. Presents you holy and blameless. I don't know this morning if you look in at your own emptiness and, and you see the, the ways that, that you've contributed to the rupture of the relationship with God. Your sins. I don't know if you feel their weight and you think, what would Jesus have with me? Why would Jesus care for me? Colossians said that Jesus came. Why? Because he loves you no matter what you've done. And he comes into the world on this reconciliation mission so that his fullness can overwhelm your emptiness once and for all. That he can restore you and reconcile. You were once alienated, you were hostile, now you are brought close, Paul says. In your mind, you were doing evil deeds. He's now brought together, you together with God. Listen, by the body of flesh, by his death on the cross, in your place, in my place, so that you might be presented blameless and perfect before God. The whole might be filled, not just subjectively that you, you, you feel, you, you know that, because even now, if you're a Christian, you still hunger. Jesus said you'll never hunger and thirst again, and he's right, but, but we're not there yet. We still hunger. We still get caught up trying to fill the hole with other stuff, don't we? We still take our eyes, we, we, get, we lose track. We, we still hunger and thirst physically in this life, and there's a spiritual sense in which even now, Though the waters of, of living waters are bubbling up within us, there's still that emptiness. There's still that vacuum. We're not yet fully who we will be. But this is the promise of Christmas that, yes, we will be presented holy and blameless. Right now in God's eyes, he sees you that way already, holy and blameless. It's a little bit like the moment that you become reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. It's like a tsunami of grace washes over you. It just buries you in its weight. A tsunami of grace, whatever you've done, it doesn't matter compared to the fullness of God and the tsunami of his goodness. Where how far away you were, it doesn't matter. God just washes you completely. It's wonderful, gracious news. That happens on the instant that we are reconciled to God. We're, we're justified, Paul will say elsewhere, just as if we never sinned. The, Jesus, the fullness of God has come and stood in our place on the cross, and then we're free. But in the other sense, it's a little bit like the floods we had these last weeks, isn't it? The fullness of God is like, if you're like me, you're riding around the river thinking, oh, that water's a bit higher, and then, then oh, it's a bit higher again. The next day you try to ride around the river, oh, maybe I can get through this on my bike. No, I can't. The fullness of God rises, but then when it inundates in the end, it inundates just as surely as the tsunami does. And there's that two experiences, the, the one that happens instantly and the other where the fullness of God throughout our lives, if we'll let him, draws us more and more completely. There's a, a profound change that happens in us. And for those of us who've experienced the fullness, it's not just the feeling of emptiness. Uh, there was a man called Athanasius. He was a church father. And he said something which, every time I hear this, I think it sounds heretical. He said this, the son of God became man so that we might become God. Sound a bit heretical? The Son of Man, the incarnation, happens so that you and I might become God. It's not heretical. It's actually the truth of, of the Christian gospel. You know that 
the Son of God became man, the incarnation happened, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus, not just so that we'd have our sins forgiven, and so that God would go, oh, okay, you know, I, I wipe that debt, you know, we, can be, we can be friends again, but even more so that you and I can participate in the fullness of God. It's an extraordinary promise. We become God in one sense. The fullness of God overwhelms our weaknesses. It fills the gaps with this. It makes us divine in one sense. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, listen to this, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Thought about that? The wonder of Christmas? Your emptiness overwhelmed by his fullness through the costly gift of his son into the world who will, in the end, have his hands and feet pierced by nails so that you might come to know God, so that you might come to experience God, to be part of the God, of God himself in his divine life. It's an incredible, wonderful promise. All right. Let's conclude. This series uh, in Colossians has been all about Jesus. The cosmic Jesus. The Jesus through him in all, all things are created. In him all things have their being. All about Jesus. And now as we land in this week where we come into Christmas, we see the reason that this all Happened. We see the reason that Jesus came into the world on a reconciliation mission, his fullness overwhelming our emptiness. And I, I don't know where you are with God this morning. I, I don't know how you came into this service this morning. As I said at the start, whether it's been a really difficult stage, whether you're questing and you're feeling, you're saying, oh, I'm a Christian, but I still feel the emptiness. I still, I still struggle. Or whether you go, I don't even know if there's anything in all of this. But this Christmas, I'm praying that each of us would experience again in our human weakness the fullness of God, the one in whom God was pleased to dwell, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus Christ, the babe that was born of Mary. The King of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise a song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born. The babe, the son of Mary. I'm going to invite the band up. I'm going to pray for us that we each this Christmas might know the fullness of God in the babe, the son of Mary. Oh, loving Father, we thank you that you love us. That though we were unreconciled with you, though we were your enemies, though this morning each of us come and we have blackness that we have heaped onto the relationship with you. We thank you that this morning the truth is of Christmas, that this is not just a time for bells and for whistles and for Santa Claus and for Christmas trees. This is a time when we remember the word becoming flesh, the fullness of God pleased to dwell, 
in Jesus. And we, this morning, we come and in our emptiness, we look to you and we pray, Lord, that you would fill us again with your fullness. Maybe we've been Christians for a long time, Lord, help us to feel again the wonder of this season. Help us to feel again and know again the wonder of what you did. Lord, maybe we're not Christians and we pray this morning that, that, Lord, I pray this morning that you would touch the hearts of those who don't yet know you. But Lord, we come this morning and we look in wonder and awe. We thank you that our emptiness is met by your fullness. And we praise you and we worship you. We pray for this next Christmas season that we might hold on to this with all we have and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au dot com dot au.